Now, I have a, we're going to start off with a little test. You ready? Okay. If you're boarding an airplane and you have a choice between the window seat, the middle seat, and the aisle seat, which one are you going to pick? Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go ahead and write down one of your choices, whatever it is. Go ahead and, and we're going to come back to it, okay? But I want you to write it down and don't be changing it and don't be cheating. Don't look at somebody else's and see what they wrote down. You write down what you think you want to do, okay? So we'll come back to that. Now, this is a message series called Selfless, right? We, we all agree that we live in a selfish culture today. We've been talking about that. And so how do we serve? How do we live for other people? Well, today, I want us to move away from selfish attitudes to generosity, extravagant generosity. Now, there was an article recently that said, science shows us that we are selfish. Well, we didn't need an article to tell us that, did we? I mean, we already know that people are inherently selfish by nature. That's the case. And here's the thing. Now, listen. Listen closely. Men are more selfish than women. See, look at the women smiling and all the men are going. I never have liked that jerk. Okay, well, here's the deal. <laughs> men are more selfish than women. Let's hear it for the ladies. Yeah, yeah. Now, sorry, guys, but the male reward system is stimulated by self-centeredness. Women get a dopamine rush by doing something good for other people. Why is that? Because men are wired to survive. I'm going to leave my cave. I'm going to go out and kill something. And then I'm going to drag it back so I can survive, right? But women are nurturers. They get excited about helping everybody else survive. And women are more generous. For example, men, how many of you guys like to work out? Anybody in here like to work out? How many of you have proof of that? Okay. <laughs> I've been working out lately. Can you tell? They, they took me to outpatient. First they came to the house and they worked me out. Now I get to go to this little uh, first choice place and they work me out there. And, and here's what I've noticed. The guys who work me out, they tell me what to do. Do this exercise next. We talk about football. We talk about all kinds of stuff. And I get a pretty good workout. But then they gave me this girl the other day. She doesn't talk about nothing, buddy. She just comes over there and says, okay, do this exercise. And while you're still breathing, okay, we'll go to this next one. I'm just trying to make it to the next. And man, when I got through, she really gave me a, a good workout. Well, if you're a guy and you go work out, then the good news gets worse for you. Not only are you selfish, but the article says the bigger your muscles get, the smaller your heart. Did you know that? The bigger the muscles the smaller the heart. That's true. That's true. Muscle guys are less generous than guys who drive right by the gym and go pick up the pizza. That's the truth. <laughs> I'm, just I'm just trying to help you, okay? Now let's go back to the airplane. You still with me for the airplane? We're going to come back to that. For those of you who prefer, how many of you said, and, and be honest, how many of you said, I want the window seat? Give me the window seat, okay? Well, you're selfish people. Look at them. <laughs> if you said, I want the window look at the person next to you, and if they said they wanted the window seat, point your finger and say, you are just selfish. That's what's going on with you. Now, now why am I covering all this, okay? Well, for all of my single lady friends, if you're single ladies, here's the deal. Don't marry a man who always goes to the gym and wants the window seat. I'm just trying to help you. <laughs> 
because that guy is selfish, okay? Now, here's the deal. Ladies, how many of you are feeling really good about yourselves right now? Because men are more selfish, right? Well, hang on. I want to talk to you for just a moment. There's an area where you are more selfish. Did you know this? And it involves chocolate. <laughs> That's right. It, ladies, if you have a choice between the bigger piece of chocolate cake and the smaller piece of chocolate cake, and your best friend is with you, you'll hose them every time, and you'll take the bigger piece of chocolate every time. And all the ladies said, amen, that, as, as God intended, right? That's the way it's supposed to be. Because our culture is selfish, what are we taught to do? We're taught to gratify ourselves and indulge ourselves and get whatever we want. But Jesus, on the other hand, was just the opposite. Jesus said, don't indulge yourself. He said, deny yourself. And Jesus didn't just say it, did he? But he showed us by example what it means for us to deny ourselves and to put others first. Jesus says, if you want to follow me, it's a life of self-denial. Rather than being selfish, it's extravagant generosity. Now, in Proverbs 21, it says this. Solomon was talking about people who were lazy and selfish. And he said, all day long, the lazy and the selfish, they crave and crave, but the righteous give and do not hold back. And that's what we're talking about today. That's what extravagant generosity is. It's when we give and we don't hold back. We got a granddaughter. Our, our daughter and our son-in-law, our daughter Elizabeth, our son-in-law Rob, and our granddaughter Collins are here this weekend. Everybody say, yay! yay. More enthusiasm, please. Yay. Yeah, so we're just really fired up. They were going to come last weekend for my birthday, but if they came this weekend, they could stay until Monday because it's a holiday. So I said, well, come this weekend by all means. And so Collins is at the house. And, and she knows about generosity because she just came in this morning and gave me the biggest hug first thing this morning, told me how much she loved me, told, uh, I'm Buddy, by the way, and my wife is Honey, Buddy and Honey, and she told us how much she loved us. Yeah, and she just, she's just really giving and generous that way, and we just love that. But in our culture, we know about being selfish, too. The righteous is a follower of Christ, and they just don't hold back. Now, at our church... We want to lead the way with extravagant generosity. Let me tell you, we've been having a lot of fun helping people since the hurricane, even lately. People in need, people who still don't have their houses back in order. People are trying to get things straightened out, but it hadn't really worked out for them yet. And so we found out about some of those people. And I've had some of the most fun I've had. Before I went in the hospital, Laura and I one day, we, we took a check um, to a guy and it was just in an envelope and just gave it to him. He didn't know how much it was so he could get his house fixed. I'm getting a lot of feedback again for some reason. I don't know exactly why, but it's given me a little reverb. Yeah. We all know how that painful that can be, right? So anyway, uh, the deal is that uh, he, he opened the check after we left and he called us and he was like, wow, I had no idea. Man, this is tremendous. And then I called another church where he attends. And I said, hey, you know the guy that works on your staff? Well, we just gave him this much money. Just, just wanted you to know that. <laughs> just some information, just FYI. How much have you given him? <laughs> so they matched it. So it was like we gave him $5,000. Yeah. 
So this other church matched it and gave 5000 and somebody else came to me, and they figured out who I was talking about because I talked about it in church. And they said, well, I got some money that somebody gave me, and they said, hey, if you find a need, and it was another $2,000. And so this guy, he got taken care of, right? And it was just, it is more blessed to give than to receive. It's such a blessing to do that, to be a part of those. Now, for those of you who are here today and you're saying, well, shoot, I came on Generosity Sunday. What was I thinking? <laughs> I, man, can I slip out of here without people noticing? He's going to talk about being generous today. Well, here's the deal. I want to talk to you directly about three different mindsets, okay? Just three <laughs> And then we're going to wrap it up. The first one is the bag mindset. The bag mindset. And the bag mindset says this. It's a poverty mindset. It's a lack mindset. And it is a scarcity mindset. In fact, in Haggai, it says God's people during this time of Haggai, they weren't putting God first. It says you eat, but you do not have enough. You drink, but you are not filled with drink. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And, and who, he who earns wages, earns wages to put into a bag with holes. Boy, that's an illustration, isn't it? And what it's saying is they're not putting God first. They're putting themselves first. And what's, what's going on? They don't have enough. They don't have enough. It's the bag mindset. Now, this is the way a lot of Americans live today. They live with the bag mindset. I wish we had more. We don't have enough. We, we can't be generous and give. I wish we could. It's a bag mindset. Now, what I want you to notice is that there was a guy that was a disciple of Jesus, and his name was Judas, and he had the bag mindset too. Because you know what Judas's job was? He carried the money. He was in charge of the cash. And what he would do with that, sometimes he would take some of that money out for himself and he would just put it in his pocket and keep it for himself. Now what's interesting about this guy is he betrayed Jesus. And, and you know, here's a guy that's just cheating all the time. In Mark chapter 4, there's a woman who's been changed by Jesus and Jesus is with her and she takes a very expensive bottle of perfume. It's like a year's wages. And she pours it over Jesus to worship him. And she doesn't hold back, man. She gives with generosity, doesn't she? And Judas criticizes her and said, well, you could have sold that and given the money to the poor. And isn't it interesting how he was telling her to give money to the poor, but he was stealing from the money that they were getting for what they were doing. And Judas had that bag mentality, and it was later on that, that he sold Jesus out for 30 pieces of silver. See, he's looking at the bag. He's got the wrong attitude. You don't want to have a bag mindset. I'm just telling you, you'll never have enough in life. Now, there's the basket mindset. That's number two. The basket mindset, there's always enough. In Deuteronomy, the 28th verse or, or chapter, it says, all these blessings will come on you and accompany you if you obey the Lord your God, your basket will be blessed. Isn't that a good word? So it says move away from the bag mindset. Move into the basket mindset. There'll always be enough. Give and it will be given to you. It doesn't say keep and you, it will be given to you. It doesn't say hoard and it will be given to you. Anybody in here a hoarder? If someone next to you is a hoarder and they're not aware of it, just do this right now. This that guy, okay? Because a lot of people who are hoarders don't know it. But we could help you with that, okay? He says, give and it will be given to you. And then he goes on and he says, good measure, 
pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap. In other words, I'm just going to keep heaping that on you. I'm just going to keep giving it to you, and it's going to be a great blessing. And the people who were listening to Jesus understood this. Because back in that day, when the workers would work in the field, a lot of the wealthy people who had the land, and they paid those workers, they would say on Friday, now leave some extra out here on the edge of the field. Leave some extra for those who don't have enough. Leave some extra because people are going to need it. And just make sure, be generous with it. We got plenty. So take care of the folks who don't have enough. We want to give to them. Think about the basket you want to carry. What if you're in charge of picking up all the stuff that's out there in the field and taking it across the field to the barn? And you're getting paid by the hour. What are you going to do? Well, you're going to put a little bit in your basket, right? And you're going to take it. It's going to be comfortable. It's not going to be too heavy. And you're going to take it over there and you're going to give it, right? But you're getting paid by the hour. So what difference does it make, right? You're not going to kill yourself. But let me ask you this. What if you know that what's left over on the side of the field over there is going to your family and your family's hungry and in need? And so when you load your basket up, what are you going to do? Man, you're going to load it up, then you're going to press it down, then you're going to put some more in there. And it may be heavy, and you may have to stop along the way, but you're going to take enough that your family is going to be fed, right? You're going to take care of your family. And so that's what he was talking about. And the people understood that. They understood what was going on. You see, because they knew, because that was something they practiced all the time in those days. Now, when you give... It says, God gives to you good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. So here's the deal. When you keep what you have, all you have is what you have. But when you give extravagantly, you give as God teaches you to give, what does God do with what you give? He multiplies it. He multiplies it. And you just keep getting resources. You know, while we've been off, and Laura and I took, the two months off, and so Laura, people gave her money, you know, because she, she did all her leave time when she had breast cancer, that was gone. And so she didn't have money for a check for, you know, the month that she was working, the two months. But money has been cut. She got a bonus, you know. She didn't know she's going to get a bonus, and that bonus came in, and, and then there, some, there was a repayment. I paid too much on something, and I got a re- reimbursement back. And then something else. It seems like every day we've been going to the bank, you know, and either depositing something. Or ca- That's just God. That's just God, right? And, and today we brought our check. In fact, I had to go back there and put it in early because I'm not going to be here when they pass the basket around, you know. So I wanted to put it in there. Now, for those of you who don't understand this principle about multiplying and giving and all that, I'm going to tell you about it. Anybody like ICs? Does anybody know what an IC is? <laughs> Is there, are there any old people here today? Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, it's not tropical smoothie, okay? There's, there used to, when I was a kid growing up, we, I worked in a convenience store, and we would make ices. They had cola, and they had cherry. Cherry was my favorite. And so it was my job to make the ices. Cool job, huh? So the kids would come in. It was a hot summer day. And they would say, okay, I want this kind of icy, and I would fix it for them. Now, here's what I learned about ICs. When you're making an icy, if you want to take care of folks, what you do is you take that icy, and as you're filling it up, you kind of do that with a cup, and it kind of packs it down a little bit. Then you can put a little bit more in it, right? 
And then you can take the lid and put it on because it's open, right? And then you can kind of put a little more in there. And if you really want to be nice, you can put the straw in there and then you can put a little more in there too. Anybody ever done that? I'm the only one here? No, no other honest people here today, huh? All liars, everybody's a liar. Okay, great. Well, you need to hear this message then, don't you? Okay. Well, that's what you learn to do and, and you have enough, right? Well, there's this story and it's in 1 Kings and it's amazing to me because there's this prophet named Elijah. And Elijah has been out in the wilderness and he hasn't eaten and he's starving, okay? And God tells him, he says, I want you to go to this particular house. Now this is, this is the way God works. If you'd been out starving and you've been out in the wilderness, and now God's gonna take you and feed you, wouldn't you think that you know, you'd know you end up at some buffet somewhere? Wouldn't, wouldn't you think that you're gonna go to somebody's house who's having a feast, really? I mean, you're starving, right? And he says, I want you to go to this house. And when he gets to the house, these people don't have anything. There's a widow and her son there. And he says to her, the Lord sent me here. <laughs> it's just funny to me. The Lord sent me here to get something to eat. And she's going, well, you've come to the wrong place, pal. <laughs> this is what she says. She says, all I've got is a little bit of olive oil and a little bit of flour. And I'm getting ready to bake the last loaf of bread that I can bake, and my son and I are gonna eat it, and then we're gonna die, because we don't have any more food to eat. And Elijah says something really crazy. He says, well, you know, God sent me here, and he told me that you would feed me. And then he says this, would you trust God and me enough to go ahead and make the bread and then feed me first, and then you eat. This guy's a stranger. She'd never even seen him before. And this woman is just touched, and God just speaks to her, and she goes, okay, that's what I'll do. She had the faith to do it, and that's what she does. But here's the deal. God provides. Every time she tries to get the olive oil and use it up, there's more in there. There's just more in there. When she gets to the bottom of the bag of flour, there's more in there. And, and God just multiplies it. And every time, for then on, she keeps getting food, enough for them to eat because she gave without holding anything back. She was generous. That's the way God is. God, God wants us to be like Him. He wants us to be generous people. He wants us to look at people and really see them and see their need. And so that's what happened. Do you remember when Jesus was feeding the 5,000 and, and the disciples came up and they said, hey, you're really preaching a good sermon. And, and that 15th point was wonderful. And listen, I could stay here all night, but a couple of these guys are getting hungry. And so I'm thinking we better send all these people away because we don't have any way to feed them. And Jesus says, well, you feed them. Wouldn't you like that, John? How do I feed them? And there's this one little boy that comes up, and he's got a long John Silver's bag. That's all he has. He brought his lunch with him that day, and it's got five loaves of bread and two fish in it. And what does Jesus do? He said, make the people sit down. I love that. He said, that's what we got, long John Silver's. Make the people sit down. And they sit down, and they said, now you just start distributing the food. And that's when the miracle took place, when the disciples started actually handing it out. Because if you're, if you're one of the disciples, and you're reaching down in there, and there's not that much to give, you're going, okay, that's too much. You can't have that much. You've got to have less than that, right? Because I've got to feed the rest of these folks in here. 
but they don't run out. In fact, there's 12 baskets full left over, and God just multiplies it over and over and over again. So what was the first thing? The what mindset? The bag mindset that's just there's not enough, I don't have enough, I've got to take care of me. And then there's the basket mindset, and it's all about God's provision. Okay, the last one. The barn mindset. The barn. When you recognize in God's kingdom there is a way to get more than enough. It'll be overflowing. In Proverbs it says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of your crops, then your barns will be filled with overflowing. It's talking about tithing. That's what he's talking about. It's talking about give from the first fruit. See, people talk about tithing, and they say it's 10%. Well, no, that's not right. It's the first 10% that you receive. You give to God first. See, it doesn't take any faith to give it last. If there's nothing left, you just give what's left over at the end. It takes faith to give it at first. And God wants to be first in our lives. It says in Matthew, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and everything else will be added to you. So we seek Him first when we come to worship and we seek Him first when we have an increase and we want to give to God. In the Old Testament, it's called the first fruits or the tithe. It's from the Hebrew word maser and it literally means one Tenth. Whatever God gives to us, we give one-tenth back to Him. In Exodus, it says, God says this, Dedicate to me every firstborn among the Israelites. The first offspring to be born of both humans and animals belongs to me. When I was just a little boy, a little boy, I was a baby. My mother was feeding me and holding me and rocking me, and it occurred to her that I could get older, and someday I could walk out the door, and they lived on a busy street, and I might be hurt. And so she gave me to God. She literally prayed and she said, Lord, I'm going to give you this child. You help me raise this child and you do with him what you want. I didn't know that. When I was three years old, I stood up on a stool at my great-grandmother's house in front of the extended family. I told everybody to sit down and be quiet because I was going to preach. <laughs> I don't remember that. She didn't tell me about that. You know, she never put any pressure on me. She never said anything about any of that. But after I answered the call to the ministry, she told me about that. And it says, if you go forward in this verse, it says, redeem with a lamb every firstborn donkey. But if you do not redeem it, break its neck. Now, what in the world is that talking about? There's two different kinds of animals in the Bible. There's clean and unclean. The lamb is clean, the donkey is unclean. And that's just a, an analogy, really, for you and me. Because really, we're born unclean, right? We're born separated from God. But Jesus was perfect, wasn't he? So he was born clean. And so what he did was he gave his life for you and me. He didn't hold back at all, did he? He gave his life for us so that we might be forgiven. Because otherwise, there's no way for us to have a relationship with God. We want to have that relationship. And Scripture says, while we were still sinning, Christ died for us. In other words, he died for us before we were even born. And so we're grateful. He says, put me first in every area of your life. You don't just give 10%, you give the first 10%. And so that's what we're called to do. And he says, just test me in this. In the scripture, it says, just test me, try me. See if I won't throw open the windows of heaven and bless you. Now, how did God give? He gave extravagantly. He didn't hold back. And that's what he's calling us to do, to live a life where we don't hold back. When you get a chance and you're able to give in that way, 
It's a real blessing. When Elizabeth, our daughter, who's here when she was just a little girl, we used to teach her, we'd say, now, put this money, this money is for Jesus. And that would be the tithe. There was a little jar that said Jesus. And then there was one that said Asbury College, and she could put 10% in there. And then she could put the rest in her jar. It said Elizabeth. And she's three years old. And she looks up and she sees all three of those jars one day. And she said, how come Asbury and Jesus have little and I have much? I said, Elizabeth, you want to preach Sunday? That's better than anything I got. <laughs> A little child, three years old, could see that. She could see it. She could see how blessed she was. She could see what God had done for her. And you know, when kids are little, you teach them to give 10%. You have 10 dimes, right? And you say, okay, here's one for Jesus, right? <coughs> what do kids do? They'll say, well, I want to give him another one. And they'll say, no, you already gave Jesus. Here's the rest of it you can keep. Well, no, that was his to begin with. Now I want to give him one of mine. You see a series progressing here? There's just children's church right there. They just learn how to do it, don't they? So what a blessing that is. Well, listen, it's a blessing for me to be here. Last Sunday, I celebrated my 63rd birthday, and I was glad I was still around to celebrate. I want you to know. Yeah. And my wife loves me. She fixes me food and gives me insulin and watches me like a hawk. And she made me a cake for my birthday. And it's sugar-free and it's gluten-free, and it's carb-free. What else is it free of? What? Grain-free, taste-free. You know what the icing's made out of? It's chocolate icing, but it's made out of avocado. But it's good. And I ate my cake, I did, and I was grateful to have it. A yellow cake with chocolate icing as God intended. That's what cake is, in case you didn't know. Hey, look, I hope you have a great week. And I just pray that if there's something, some nugget in this message that spoke to you today, that you'll just take it with you and pray about it. And ask God, Lord, could I grow in this area of my life? Is this something that, that was for me? Because you know what happens a lot of times, and I'll shake hands with people after church sometimes, and they'll say, there were a lot of folks here who needed to hear that. <laughs> I wasn't one of them. But those other pagans in there, they're the ones who need to hear it. God bless you.